Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of uh, Keep Lefty, program at the Victorian Labor College. In the studio is uh, John Lafferty. Morning, everybody. And myself, Chris Gaffney. Well, b- uh, before John, we invite John to start his material. Um, I want to talk uh, a bit about something that was sort of raised in a confused way last week, and that's the question of terrorism and the questions of violence. Now, a few observations first, because I think last week there was some confusion generated. Um, (coughs) Pardon me. (coughs) First of all, you must remember that every ruling class in human history has had to be removed by violence from below. There's not a single example in history where a ruling class or clique has voluntarily abdicated power without being forced to by force. All right, so to, to, for, for the pacifists, that's fine having a pacifist position, but you've got to understand that human society has not worked like that ever, and there's no sign that it will today if you look at the world as it is. Uh, a peaceful transformation of power from class to a new class is purely wishful thinking. It's something we might pray for if you happen to be a Christian or a a religious person, but it's not reality. We must remember Malcolm X's statement. He said this, or I'm I'm not literally quoting, but the substance is true. I will be non-violent to those who are not violent to me, but I will react violently to a violent attack on me. Violence comes from ruling class resistance to social change. If we look at the, for example, what's always billed by the bourgeoisie as the bloody Russian revolution, well, in fact, it wasn't bloody at all. In fact, the actual takeover of power by the Bolshevik Party on November the 7th, 1917, less people were killed, less people were killed than the killed on Melbourne roads any weekend you care to name. And the Americans, their mass killings, they bump off... <laughs> on a daily basis, more people that were killed in the takeover of the Russian Revolution. And that's a fact. The, the, the loss of life came from the invasion by 14 imperialist armies into Russia to put down, by violence, the newly workers, established Workers' Republic. Um, to suggest that a, a, pacif- a pacifist response will win... Of course, all that does is disarm the people who are resisting violence. I mean, if the, the police are coming round and reacting violently on you, what do you do? You either accept it and suffer the violence or you object. Terrorism is terrorism that we speak about. We're not talking about movements by classes in historical terms. We're talking about um, an individual the individual terrorist who decides that his responsibility alone or his small group to shoot, kill, bomb, whatever. Now, what these people do with these individuals or small parties or terrorist groups, etc., they substitute themselves for the mass of the people. They don't involve the mass of the people. 
they don't consult them, yet they claim to be acting on their behalf. Um, terrorism is a failed political tactic. Individual terrorism, it doesn't work. It bypasses the class. It doesn't educate the class. It doesn't people make people smarter, more determined to resist, and it gives comfort to the ruling class. Because every time there's a terrorist incident, the ruling class can come out and say, these wicked terrorists, we need these laws which will restrict your freedom in order to combat it. Now, just to those who say, well, you know, we don't agree with violence, etc., etc., Australia was founded by the violent disposition of the Aboriginal people. There's no treaty where the Aboriginal people hand over Australia to the whites. It was done by force and by violence. Because violence is part and parcel of any class society, including our one. A masses, uh, if masses aren't involved in the violence of your lone terrorist or uh, your, your terrorist group, nothing is learnt. And they face greater attacks on their liberties and the, party, and the terrorist and the party become even more isolated from the mass of the people. Now, in those circumstances, to equate, to equate individual terrorists with Lenin and Trotsky, as it was done last week, who led mass resistance to the enemies of the Russian people with terrorism, is to confuse individual terrorism with revolutionary change. We are not pacifists because we cannot place the vulnerable to that perpetual threat of violence. Remembering always, the only war worth fighting is the class war, and this has nothing to do with the lone terrorists substituting themselves for the masses. Now, that's got nothing to do with the founders of communism, Marx and Lenin, and uh, I just thought it was made unclear last week. I thought I should clear it up. All right. Now, if you've got any comments, John, make them. If not, proceed to your topic. No, generally speaking, uh, I, I'd agree with that. Uh, I don't know what you really meant by um, last week reference to Lenin and Trotsky. I can't remember. You referred to Lenin and Trotsky. When? Well, I don't know when, but you did. And uh, it, uh, uh, Equating individual terrorism to it, Lenin and Trotsky? It, um, <laughs> probably wasn't what you intended. I definitely didn't do you that. Didn't intend to, you, no. well, you didn't intend to do it. I can't that, remember this. Well, that's how it came yeah. across, to me anyway. Yeah. And it may not have been your intention, but I thought in either event we should clarify the issue, mm. which I've attempted to do. Yeah, no, morning. definitely. I would... Individual terrorism, absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it was, a, it, was a, it, was a, it was an uprising. I mean, you can argue about how, you know, how many people were involved in it. As you say, there wasn't that many people involved. But um, it was for the good of the people. I'd certainly agree with that, as opposed to going into a disabled people's home and killing 14 people. Well, no, that's... <laughs> I think it's a huge that's difficult. It's difficult to see, that, see how that can advance yeah, the it's, class struggle. It's, it's difficult to see how you could possibly... Uh, Support think them, yeah. that I was um, comparing, saying that the two were similar. Cause well, no, I, no anyway. it, the confusion was there to be okay. had if you wanted to be confused. Well, <laughs> all right. But um, the Russian Revolution being bloodless and less uh, deaths than uh, on a Victorian weekend's I'm war. talking about the actual takeover. Yeah, yeah, the actual takeover. So that would be less than five? I think there were ten. four or five people. Yes, there okay. was. Yes. Previous to that, you said that you can't have class-to-class -class change without violence. 
Well, because... I mean, the, this is the greatest class-to-class change. Yes, it is, because <laughs> the ruling class will resist social change. Afterwards, they did, yeah. From day one, they will resist yeah. any attempt to reduce or remove their privileges. Yeah, yeah I mean, sure. I mean, it's, it's only, they only refer to it as, as violence and as a class war when we react. Exactly. Yeah, sure, but they will react. So you're not actually speaking about the, the November Revolution itself, but you're really referring to the violence of the counter-revolution. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm okay. saying most of the violence came from the... Well, all the violence really came from the counter and, and I thought it was 15 imperialist armies, but whatever. Oh, well, no. Well, we can <laughs> You're not that. including the Aussies, Chris? <laughs> but, um, so, yeah. Yeah, not a great deal of um, problem with that. That's, that's, right. that's perfectly true. You well, know? Then, but, uh, what you, did you want to talk about? Yeah, look, I'm back on this whole thing of terrorism again, I suppose. Oh, are you really? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, anyway. I thought I'd dealt with it, but go on. No, no. Right. What do you it's want a, to say? No, no, about? because it was something that was yet again brought up last week. As some folk uh, do like to still subscribe to the theory that if a mass murder occurs in the Western world and it's subscribed to a Muslim, it is then described by the establishment media as terrorism. If it is committed by a non-Muslim, the theory still goes, it will not be referred to as terrorism. Well, this was probably true in some cases at one time in an effort to demonise Muslims in order to justify Middle Eastern wars and heighten security at home. Recent events have shown that this is not so much the case today. The last mass killings to take place in the Western world was on December the 2nd in San Bernardino, California. Despite the fact that it was known that the alleged killers were religious Muslims, the Herald Sun of the following day made no link between their religion and terrorism. This was despite the right-wing newspaper having three full-colour pages in which to do so. This week there was also a report on the 9MSN website which stated, The FBI says there is no evidence the San Bernardino shooters were part of a terrorist cell. The report then goes on to say, while the pair of killers had expressed support for jihad and martyrdom in private communications as early as 2013, they never did so on social media. So according to the Fed, you can be an idiot in private. As long as you don't do it on social media, you're okay, up until the point the shooting of the uh, disabled people starts. Mm -hmm. Of course, there will always be those who want to see the race, religion, etc. of the killers and their victims in each cases before deciding whether or not it's a despicable crime That's right. or an understandable act of revenge. If it's a Christian attacking an abortion then, clinic, it's somehow different. As I say, and that's a perfect point you just made there to back me up. Then there are those who claim to know who did what, when and why, even before the event happens. These folk will invariably use the term Red flag the minute they hear of such atrocities. What is most interesting is that right-wing sources such as the Herald Sun, Channel 9 and their website and the Federal Bureau of Investigation have been all going out of their way. The where, this is in the immediate aftermath, okay? This has changed this week mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. anyone jumps down the throat. But they were in the immediate aftermath all going out of the way not to link Islam so to terrorism. So what do you think is behind that? That establishment tactic worked once, and clearly in the years following 9-11. But in at least the past two years, the world situation calls for a different narrative. The deeper involvement of the Russians in defence of the Assad regime 
and the reaction of the French authorities to attacks in that country have contributed, not entirely the reasons, but have contributed to this change. Now there's demonization of Muslims generally as the preserve of extremists such as Donald Trump in the US and reclaim Australia in this country. Donald Trump is being correctly labelled as the recruiter-in-chief for ISIS. Ex-Australian Prime Minister Tony Abbott is also viewed by most of the establishment as being no more relevant than that, relevant than that other political fossil, Pauline Hanson. It's now thought that the FBI considered the San Bernardino killings were a clear act of terrorism straight away. It was the White House itself, this is the point, it was the White House itself which sought to downplay the link. On the day of the shooting, Barack Obama called a meeting of the National Security Council and other U.S. security services to ensure that they towed the presidential party line. That is, not to link the, these, these people, the, 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 you know, the, who they attributed the killing to, their Islamic religion, to terrorism, right. not... Yes, 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 yeah? yes, yes. Not. Well, why, why, why? <laughs> because of a U.S. policy in the Middle East. Well, right, OK. I'm yeah, getting I, to that in a second, yeah, but no, isn't, that, isn't that obvious? I, I, I mean, at one time it was said that the Germans ate babies. Mm-hmm. Whether the Germans did or did not eat babies, well, the, the, fact, Bol- the Bolsheviks <laughs> ate nuns. That the fact, you know, the fact well, is much, that, much more tasty. The fact is that the Germans, eat, yeah, the, the Bolsheviks no longer apparently eat nuns. But the fact is that <laughs> the Germans eating babies line or the Bolsheviks eating nuns line was useful at the time. The narrative changes over time. Oh, of course it does. Of course okay. it does. I mean, it, it becomes no, no. no longer useful. Oh, no, I'm not disputing. And that's what, what I'm saying. saying. That that, yeah. that that is clearly happening, and certainly that is. That is a directive from the top down, the top being the big chief, Barack Obama. Ever since the stronger and more successful actions of Russia's forces in combating ISIS in Syria, Obama has been on the back foot, and he still is. He is still desperately trying to tell the world that the US has been waging effective war against Islamist forces in Syria. But fewer and fewer people are willing to believe him. Successful Islamist terror attacks in the West, and especially in the US itself, would hardly assist Obama and his spin. Well, they initially, and basically, they get most of their weapons from the Americans, the ISIS. Yeah. I mean, some people maintain that ISIS is simply a puppet of American foreign policy. I don't believe that's true anymore. There's really secret intelligence. Yeah, yeah, all that sort of stuff. Um, But I don't believe that's the case. I believe that this has happened before, where the United States have given finance to some extremist group to face to fight a bigger enemy, like giving aid to the Mujahideen in Afghanistan to fight the Russians. But of course, when these groups get guns and weapons, they get they think, well, do we initially have to be an agent the, of the, US the Frankenstein? We'll do theory. our own thing. That's the Frankenstein well, theory. Well, yeah. that's right. We'll do our own thing, and I think that's that's what happening. So the United States, and that's what's such a mess. The United States has lost control mm. of virtually all the forces that they've unleashed. Yeah, Obama doesn't know what to say. I mean, he really cannot say the right thing. It's such a tangled web he's got himself in- involved in. I mean, there's the truth on one side. There's the military-industrial complex, the, the, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and the other yeah, side. Yeah. He really is in a mess. It's a little bit, I think, like Kennedy was in 63. I'm not suggesting Obama's going to get assassinated, but it's kind of that Something foreign... Something to look forward to. That, no, no. <laughs> but it's that foreign policy... <laughs> Mess. Yes, yes. That Kennedy got himself involved in in 63. It's like everything he touched turned to shit, right? Yes, yes. It could be that militarists now, I mean, there's one here, there's one here. It could could be 
that militarists in the US are provoking or engaged in organising terrorist attacks on American soil. Conspiracy theorists will no doubt often want to believe this, and it may be so, but without evidence it can't be proven, because we have to always go back to that. Um, what we do know is that US policy in the Middle East has long ago been exposed as one of barefaced imperialist aggression. At root, American wars in the Middle East have been for the economic benefit of the few at the expense of the many. That was actually known well before Obama, W. Bush, Clinton or Bush Sr. sent a single soldier to fight in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. No matter what spin, spin Obama or any other US politician puts on it, that fact remains and it should be becoming more obvious to even apolitical people. Getting back to the San Bernardino shootings, there will always be those who want to know the race and or religion of killers and victims before giving their jaundiced opinion on whether or not it was a bad or not so bad taking of life. These folk are bigots, but thankfully they're in a minority. And just getting back, because I just had something on the radio before I came up. Now, three days, um, three days and possibly longer after the shooting, Obama still made no reference to that being a terrorist act. Right. I thought the killing of 14 disabled people was a terrorist act straight away myself. You would think. You would think, <laughs> anyway. You know, I, don't, I don't give you mean a shit who it is killing them. Killing 14 disabled people is, is, is I'd call it terrorism. Well, I'd call it a lot of things. It's bloody evil, whoever it was. Well, it's it certainly that. evil. Um, but, um, so he wasn't doing it three days after. Today... He is making that link, but he's saying there's no credible threat of a terrorist attack um, in the near future or over the Christmas period, so you can all enjoy your you know, <laughs> so, pudding. So go out and spend. Yeah. Go out and spend, exactly. go out and spend yeah. for Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> live it up, folks. Mm. Okay. We've only got two weeks. But, um, yeah. Uh, before, these folk are bigots, I believe, but fortunately there are also plenty of good people doing their best to create a more... Um, progressive society. I'm sorry, but these people have been a little bit um, pacifist. Uh, so you might, you might not. Who are? These people I'm about to mention mm. have been a little bit pacifistic, but I don't know. I think they're okay. According to the Forward Progressive website, every year in northern India, Sufi Muslims gather for the Urs festival. This festival commemorates the death of Moinuddin Chishti, a Sufi Islamic cleric and scholar. This year, around 70,000 clerics attended, attended the festival. 70,000? Right, That must right. be a... You know, if you're looking for a job in um, yeah. India, that must be a real winner, right? Oh, well, 70,000. Well, that's Sufi right. Sufi clerics. You, well, yeah, but... And that's a lot, I'm not saying. This is well, it is, it is, it is. I'm sure the Catholic Church would want to have a few of these guys on. They'll start I don't think they would if they actually but, saw them. The Sufi clerics? No, no. There's... Well, you see them in India, and they're people, blokes, uh, usually older men, uh, extremely poor-looking with virtually no clothes on. Yeah. I, and sitting in, in the dirt, mumbling. That's what seemed to be... Um, yeah, materially I, you're better off with the... Uh, oh, absolutely. The Catholic Church. Yeah. I mean, there's no fancy hats. I yeah. mean, these... Say, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so anyway, this year around 70,000 of the Sufi clerics attended the festival. While there, these Sufi Muslim clerics issued a fatwa condemning terrorism. The thing is, a lot of Sufis have themselves been the victims of the brutality of groups such as ISIS and Daesh. So we shouldn't be at all surprised by this. Yes. Now, uh, I'm not saying that fatwas are necessarily always to be respected, and uh, never mind followed, but this would appear to be a case of a positive fatwa. 
in a, in a leash that I believe should be publicised. And uh, I mean, if this is true, I mean, I've never heard of this website. They pop up all over the place. Um, but I mean, is this true? Why isn't this being publicised? You think you think it should be that that positive message? But um, it, a list should be publicised. Black and white condemnation of entire racial and or religious groups, such as we see from the supposed left as well as the right, is never the way forward. Um, will I get in the plug for the meeting at um, Northcote Town Hall now? Go for a plug. So this is tomorrow, so it's coming up, and I think you know there's, there's posters up about this and all sorts, and it's been well publicised for quite a while, so I'll get in a plug for this. It's uh, on tomorrow. I know it's going to be really hot, but anyway, if you can. Tomorrow, half past three at the Northcote Town Hall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you. Indeed. I was expecting to see you there. Yes, yes, I did okay, a show so, there recently. Did you? Mm. Okay, so the, the, um, the subject is how and why the GPU, that's the old Soviet secret service, murdered Leon Trotsky. So obviously expect a few Trotskyites in the audience. Possibly some Stalinists. Uh, I don't think so. But are there any left? Yeah, <laughs> left. Are there any left? Bit. Well, all right. Fair, fair. Oh, I, I just wanted to have a little time in the time we've got this to look at the outcome of the United Nations Climate Change Conference, which concluded over the weekend. It's been universally hailed by politicians and the press as a triumph of international collaboration that will pull, pull mankind back from the brink of ecological disaster. Well, this is a claim that's entirely without substance. The landmark pact consists of nothing more than a general promise that governments will make an effort to keep any increase in the global average temperature to well below two degrees above pre-industrial levels and will seek to achieve, quote, global speaking of greenhouse gas emissions as soon as possible. There are no specific measures mandated for countries that ratify the deal, besides a general appeal to be ambitious, it's a quote, and pursue policies with, quote, a view to achieve the purpose of this agreement, end of quote. There are no specific targets, no enforcement mechanisms, meaning countries that sign the treaty, they can do whatever they want. A leading climate scientist, James Hansen, characterised the deal as, quote, a fraud and a fake, declaring it's just worthless words. There is no action just promises. Even if by some miracle all of the signatories did their part to achieve the stated goal, global temperatures will still rise by some two degrees by the end of the century. Uh, A level Hansen calls highly dangerous. Now, none of us will be alive when that happens, but our children, grandchildren. In reality, what prevails amongst the leading signatories of the climate deal is not peaceful revolution, but a violent counter-revolution, or what Lenin calls the hallmark of imperialism, reaction all down the line. The inability to deal with the enormous danger posed by climate change is one expression of a bankrupt world and social order that is hurtling humanity towards catastrophe. Remember that the climate, remember the context in which this climate summit took place. It was following the imposition of a three-month state of emergency in the aftermath of the Paris terrorist attacks. Climate activists in Paris were placed under house arrest and forced to wear ankle bracelets, having been neither tried nor convicted of any crimes. This is not terrorists. This is climate activists. On the sidelines of the conference, in between photo ops and invocations of international peace and collaboration, 
the leaders of the imperialist powers made plans for carving up Syria. The climate deal was announced in the aftermath of the decision by France, Britain, Germany and the US to escalate the proxy war, uh, proxy, proxy. I mean, <laughs> it is proxy war too, which had already displaced half the country's population and killed hundreds of thousands of people. As the climate summit progressed, the US and its Western allies continued to carry out provocations against Russia, including an attempt to intercept Montenegro, a tiny Balkan state, mm. into NATO. Hmm. Poland has requested that NATO station nuclear weapons on its territory. So I thought they already had uh, nuclear weapons in Poland. They've certainly got quite a big NATO force. And yes, got, I the, knew the that. British are there as well as the Americans. This, I, the agreement, this is, I'm, I'm giving the context of the climate agreement, it comes a month after the US conducted a freedom of navigation exercise in which sent a, sent a guided missile destroyer within 12, month, 12 miles of territory claimed by China threatening a full-scale military confrontation in the Pacific. The very idea that an international pact for peace and progress could be brokered by the UN is absurd. The UN has become an instrument of imperialist policy. It's now routinely bypassed as the major powers launch launch wars and invasion without even bothering to seek a UN mandate. Mm. The inability of capitalism to make any progress towards averting an ecological disaster is an expression of the same contradictions that make it impossible to deal with any of the major crises facing humanity, from war to refugee crisis to poverty and inequality. The capitalist world rests on competing nation-states whose basic purpose is to facilitate the enrichment of the financial oligarchy that dominates each country. The technical means to halt and reverse climate change exists. The problem is not technological, but social and political. The vast resources squandered on the self-enrichment of the world's billionaire oligarchs and on armaments and military violence must be expropriated and utilised to meet social needs. A halt to climate change depends on rational and scientific planning carried out on an international basis and this requires us to put an end to the subordination of social needs to private profit and the division of the world amongst rival nation states. It means the overthrow of the existing social order and its replacement by a social society. Only the working class, the only genuinely international social force, this is the only force capable of accomplishing this world historical task on which the fate of humanity rests. This is not a a wishful thinking. This is, as Rosa Luxemburg put it, we've got a choice. Socialism or barbarism. Barbarism. Unfortunately, at the moment, barbarism is winning at the moment. Well, people... uh, Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, uh, you you mentioned uh, they want to have the, 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 the global warming. Is this correct? Two degrees above pre-industrial levels. How, how do you, could you possibly define pre-industrial levels? Where and when with pre-industrial levels? Be? Well, I don't know what date they fix. I thought it was about 1750, but... Well, it's 1750 in Britain or Germany, but, I mean, if you're looking at China or, or India... Well, they're not going to set it by those because you know, these places... Uh, you see, the West, for a start, doesn't want a lot of these backward countries, and I say backward technologically... Mm. 
They don't want them to become technologically adept because then they become rivals to imperialism. Then they can't be uh, exploited. That's right. They want them as to be exploitable hmm. for their labour and their cheap resources. I was just wondering how you define that. Two no, I'm, I'm not sure the, the exact. And, 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 and so two degrees from now, from 2015 until 2100, is acceptable. Well, I don't think so. Because no, no, they, that's what they're saying. Well, I don't, I'm not sure about that either, to be quite honest, but I know that the climate scientists are, are talking in these terms precisely what they mean, like wind. I think it's the levels of 2005. It's based on 2005 levels, although they keep changing that because they keep wanting to make it later and later so that the amount they have to cut back is less and less and less. Mm. But it's a, it's a, a pee and a thimble trick, essentially, because they are incapable of doing this. Pee and a thimble? Well, I mean, it's now you see it, now you don't. You don't know no. where where is the climate change under this under this thing, or is that under this thing? Well, they yeah. keep changing. They keep changing the the year upon which they base yeah. the figures, oh, right. and that's designed to serve the the Australian government. Certainly does that, mm. um, so they don't have to reduce as much. Was Turnbull done <coughs> in Japan? He's just he's nipped <coughs> over to Japan quickly. Is this related to the Chinese situation with the Spratly Islands and the Australian plan? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't followed it. Pop- uh, I, I'm sure they'll be having a word about it. Well, they're, they're having. They've got free trade agreements with yeah. Japan and and also with China. Yeah. And uh, I'll deal with that some other time. The one with China is terrible. It's yeah. terrible for us. For Australia. Yeah, I was, I was just wondering because I heard that he was sort of on a flying visit to Japan. Well, yes, but precisely. I'm not precise, uh, up entirely on what he's going to be talking about. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.